With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today I speak with Kelly Sunrose. She is a yoga and meditation teacher in Portland, Oregon, and the host of the podcast Yoked. I actually connected with Kelly when I was a guest on her podcast, and I loved speaking with her so much. She's insightful. She's thoughtful. She she's a good person. One of those people that you're, when you meet, you're like, oh, I get you. You're kind. You're empathetic. You listen. She's a great listener. And I wanted to continue our conversation because we really connected with what we we're speaking about. And we started on her podcast because I teach prenatal yoga. We started talking about obviously prenatal yoga and birth. And then pregnancy and birth in the yoga culture and how that's embraced. And as we were talking, I thought, this is a conversation I want to have on Yoga Birth Babies. I thought it would be really valuable for this community. So Kelly and I shared a similar kind of scenario with both our, with, she has two kids, I have two kids. So similar first births, could be a little challenging, a little long, second births, a little bit different. And what we did differently, how we saw things differently from one birth to the other during pregnancy. And as I mentioned, really, what, how does the birth how does the yoga culture and community embrace or ignore pregnancy and birth and the ramifications of that? It was a really fun conversation. So I hope you enjoy that. Before we get to that, I've been making these announcements in the last few podcasts because I'm crazy excited. Um, the teacher training in New York City is full for the fall. We have a pretty lengthy wait list. I'm truly touched that um, people are enjoying our trainings and continuously want to study with myself and Caprice. So those not in the New York City area, no worries. We travel. We're on the go. We're going to be at Yoga One in Charlotte, North Carolina. Then we'll be at Willow Street Yoga in Washington. DC, and then at Yoga Source uh, in Richmond, Virginia. And of course, we always do our spring training in New York City. So sign up. They sell out. They're lots of fun. And as I've been announcing on the last few podcasts, and you'll continuously hear this for the next few weeks, we have an iFund Women campaign going until the end of September. Because PYC is moving, we are going literally one block east, but it's still moving and it's a bigger space and it's a Big deal, especially a big deal because for 17 years, I've been inserting my key into the same lock, opening up, turning the fans and lights on to the same space, a space that I, I truly love, a space that I've grown up in, a space that I've seen ups and downs, I've a space I've been married twice, a space <laughs> I had two kids. Like It's just, it's been a huge, huge deal in my life. And and I'm, and I'm leaving it and I'm moving to another space, which is 
exciting and scary. So to help support this change and this move, we start an iFund Women campaign. If you would like, if it's in your means, I would so appreciate if you can offer a donation to our new home and to the building and enhancing of prenatal yoga center. And it's not just within the walls of PYC, but it's also the support to the podcast and the videos and the blog and the online course and all these things. So the iFund Women campaign is ifundwomen.com forward slash projects forward slash changing dash lives dash one dash birth dash time. That's our tagline, changing lives one birth at a time. And it was truncated to that. That's a lot. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big thing to have to type in. You can also just go to our website, prenatalyogacenter.com and you can see the banner there and, and offer a donation if you, if you did like, so that's it. Okay. Enough of me. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, I am great. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm thrilled to talk to you. So I was thrilled that I got to speak with you on your podcast. And as we were chatting, I just loved everything you were saying. I thought I got to get this lady talking to my community too. You had some really great things. So I guess let's jump into, I want to know more about you. Tell me and the community a little bit about you and, and yoga life for you. Yeah, well, um, my name is Kelly. I have been practicing yoga consistently since 1997. I have been a meditator since 1998, although I like to say, or I feel like it's very accurate to say that it really took me a number of years before I could find my seat like it was a it was a real struggle to be able to sit down but i stuck with it i have been teaching yoga and meditation since 2006 and um yeah daily practice and now i have a couple of kids and a dog and a husband in the mix and they two are a part of my practice. They at times are, you know, the most potent of my practices and teachers. Can you expand on that? Yeah. So I found that there was more to the practice than the physical. The, the physical asana practice is what got me in the door and and so for many years the 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 bulk of my practice or the balance of my practice was focused on the the yoga that was happening and um assimilating itself on the mat and then uh first when i got into relationship with my husband and you know when you're in a longer term relate well really any relationship is where like the rubber meets the road <laughs> with practice you know just be interacting with people and then in in that kind of partnership or collaboration you know that's where the real like the 
the ultra mirror starts to reveal itself. And, and then with kids, um, they are such, they're so skillful in their teachings in a couple of different ways. Like in, in the first, um, instance, it's very challenging to be a parent. And so they, and the interactions with them are the thing that sort of like reminds me that I need to be practicing. And then also just their personalities, especially when they're teeny, teeny, tiny. Like I have found with both of my kids, like a couple, like they will just, it will be very obvious what they are here to teach me. And it's it's kind of amazing. <laughs> I agree. I like that. So it sounds like your practice and your approach has evolved over the years. What about your teaching? Have you noticed that evolving too? Yes. Um, when I first began teaching, um, body wise, uh, or, or, or asana wise, the, the initial teacher training that I went through, uh, was very, um, alignment focused and, uh, a very specific general principles of alignment. And, um, and so I was very tuned in to, you know, giving lots of, clear instructions about what everyone should be doing with their body. And, um, now at this point in my, my, my practice and my teaching practice, I feel like the, like what's revealed itself over the years is like the, the advanced practice is listening, truly listening to your own body and and so even though i will give pretty specific cues in some senses the 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 deeper work isn't necessarily finding or looking out and seeing a room full of uniformly positioned bodies it's seeing like oh that person is making i see that they are making this particular connection and i see that this person is making this particular connection so that's sort of like how my teaching practice has evolved in the the you know the physical body space i have always taught for better or for worse <laughs> yoga philosophy in all of my classes. And I've always taught chanting and I've always taught meditation. And that has really just deepened and richened as, as I've, you know, really stuck with my own practice and new things have revealed themselves through my own practice. I like that you are open to seeing the different bodies and how they manifest into a pose. I sometimes feel like in some of the places I practice, and I take it with a grain of salt, that there's an expectation that all the bodies need to be, as you said, uniform. And what always struck me is that we know that not all bodies are the same. Um, you know, like the from history, from injury, just from our our 
proportions even. So I think that's really important, especially because I know yoga teachers listen to this, maybe even new yoga teachers, is that looking, I think one of the keys of a yoga teacher is really looking at the student, not looking for, okay, this is what it should look like because this is what it looks like on my body, but Mm -hmm. what is this body doing in front of me? And there could be some things that are egregious and can hurt them, you know, (laughs) misalignment that we want to correct. But then there's other times stepping back, like this is what this body at this time in this space can manifest. So I like that you're you allow that, that space. That's, that's really Absolutely. healthy. Well, and even thinking about it within, you know, e- even from the right to the left side of our, of, of one person's body, um, you know, symmetry does not exist mm-hmm. truly in the body. We have one heart and it leans left. Yes. And we have one, you know, you know, and the we liver have, that leans right. Yeah. Like yes. everything's a little, we might look the same, but internally exactly. it's very different. I talk about yes. that in birth a lot too, about the way mm-hmm. that the uterus is. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to shift us a little bit to that because one thing that really, um, I got excited about when you and I were talking, gosh, there's so many things about birth that we talked about. So let's jump into a little bit about your pregnancies and how you approach them differently from how, from first to second. And I also, as I kind of threw at you earlier, this is kind of a big topic, but just how the yoga community, because you and I are both teachers and you're on a whole different coast than I am. So you see a different community, but how you perceive the yoga community also accepting pregnancy or working through pregnancy or maybe ignoring pregnancy with practitioners. So mm-hmm. I just threw a huge ball at you. Go with, mm-hmm. <laughs> start with mm-hmm. where you want. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes. Well, so I have two children, one of whom is eight years old and, and my little one will be two in uh, a week, a week from tomorrow. Um, and I was just thinking back because my official due date was on the 4th of July, um, two years ago. And, um, I all, I went to almost 42 weeks with him. So really been like 
recalling the birth space and recalling how I was feeling at this time two years ago. And you're right, my approach with my two pregnant with those two pregnancies was very different. Um, with my with my older child, my daughter, I. Uh, hmm. I don't want to say I pushed it really hard, but my attitude was sort of like, no one's going to tell me what I can't do. That was sort of how I feel like how I was sort of like armored in a sense against what I perceived at that time of, of, of people saying, Oh, you're going to need to slow down. I was like, Oh no, I won't. Nothing is going to change. (laughs) And, um, and so I had a pretty vigorous practice, uh, while I was yoga practice while I was pregnant with, with my daughter And I mean, to where like, I have pictures of myself doing like handstands at nine months pregnant and, you know, and also my eating at that time was pretty different. It was, I I had a high raw, high vegan pregnancy with my daughter and, and at that time I was still very much in this space, which I think is very encouraged by culture, or at least it, at least it was at that time that was like, Oh, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you'll have this particular result. If you eat certain foods, if you exercise a certain way, if you do all of this pre birth work, then somehow that will translate to a, a, a particular kind of birthing experience and then a particular kind of baby. And um, I, you know, earlier I mentioned that like eating, and I feel like that baby's teaching for me was where it's not up to us. We have no idea. We have no idea how things are going to work out. And I, I, you know, I'm oversimplifying and this might sound kind of Pollyanna ish, but you know, um, I love what you're saying. I do (laughs) because I've been, if I don't mind me jumping in, I've been studying this birth method called birthing from within and okay. I love it. And, um, I'm doing their mentorship right now. And one of the things that I find so striking about it, and I've been, kind of dropping tidbits into my classes is exactly what you're saying. And they really, really hone in on that, that, and I even, I did a blog about this a couple of years ago that we often tell ourselves if we take the right classes and we eat the right food and we follow and we ask the right questions, we educate ourselves the right way that we did a plus a plus a equal should equal this, that we're expecting that. And what they really push is like, yes, it's really important to become educated so you can have a a conversation. It's great to keep your body healthy with exercise, you know, proper exercise and food. But the big turning corner is 
there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. something I said in my Friday class. I'm like, you showed up for class. I'm going to do everything I have, but there's no promise. The only promise is that through labor, you're going to take one step and then another step and then another step. And at some point the steps will lead to an end of some mm-hmm. sort. And yes. wow, it was, it was hard for me as a teacher to say that because I could see the disappointment. Um, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I could see the students slightly angry. Um, but, yeah. and I, and I've put myself, it's funny that our kids are around the same age, well, our older ones. Mm-hmm. I think I felt the same way that mm-hmm. I really thought like, here, this is what I do. Like, shouldn't I know what to do? And I still had a challenging birth. Mm-hmm. So I love that you were so vulnerable to say that because it's so <laughs> true. So many people think if I do this and then they feel let down yes. by the quote unquote natural birth movement that I tried for this, but yet it turned this way. Mm. Yeah. And, and all things can, like looking back, I, I mean, I had a really positive birthing experience. I, um, I had planned to give birth at home and, um, just had a very long first stage of labor where, um, you know, I had, if I, you know, it's hard to pull back that far in the memory bank, but you know, it was the kind of labor where, um, for about 40 hours I had contractions that were anywhere from five to nine minutes apart that were, you know, and, and they were piggybacking. I, if I'm remembering that that's what is where it's like, I would have one and then a, like a teeny break and then I would have another one. So they were, it was, it was happening, but it was happening very slowly. And after 40 hours and my midwife checked me and said, Oh, you know, you're three centimeters dilated. I, I was like, we need to go to the hospital and we are going there for the, for the sole purpose that I need an epidural. Like this is, this is where we are now. And, um, and we lived pretty close to the nearest hospital. I hadn't even, I was so like, um, set on the home birth that I hadn't even registered at any hospital. I didn't have any connections to, uh, uh, medical, like to an OBGYN, um, because we also moved while I was pregnant and, um, got to the hospital, had this wonderful spinal and epidural. And, uh, I remember I could still feel each contraction. It just had no pain associated with it. And then about eight hours later, I was able to, to get up and, and, and push my, my daughter out. And, um, yeah, it was really, you know, I felt like a true badass at that moment, (laughs) even though that was not what I had planned for. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so I had this wonderfully healthy beautiful baby, so lucky. And she was a super squeaky wheel. Um, like 
I read The Happiest Baby on the Block, which I love that book. I think it's fantastic. I love all of the work that Harvey Karp does. But I had the unhappiest baby on the block (laughs) in spite of doing all of the things. And so I feel like for me, that's when it like really started. And, And like that baby was such an education for me in like parenthood and life and really in, in, you know, to bring it back to, to yoga, um, to what's known as vairagya or non-attachment in the practice, which is like, you know, one of the, the, it's half of, of all of the work that we're up to in yoga. It's like part one is showing up and doing your practice every single day for years and years. And part two is without expectation that anything is going to happen. It's just like what you were saying to your students with no expectations. Um, so that was my first pregnancy and birth scenario. And in the intervening years, uh, I had two miscarriages and, um, a very early miscarriages. And so I really like, I feel like the teachings, like that space of like there being no guarantees was like this lesson that I just kept getting for about, I, you know, it was like a five year practice. I mean, and all this time, of course, I have this gorgeous daughter who's growing and who's no longer a, a, a fussy little baby and is a joy and the light of my life. And, and then, um, I had this moment, I turned 38 and, uh, I had a little, I, it's not really a crisis. I had like a, an effervescence that all of a sudden happened where I thought, let's have a baby let's get a puppy. Maybe I'll get a tattoo. (laughs) And, you know, I just got this little hit of like, Oh, everything has sort of calmed down. My, you know, my daughter by that point was, um, through preschool and, um, and the physical part of parenting had kind of quieted down a little bit. And, um, and so, decided to, to give it another shot and, uh, became pregnant with, with my son and got the puppy. Did (laughs) not get the tattoo. Did not get the tattoo. Um, (coughs) and how did your approach given your first birth and your first Mm -hmm. I, maybe it may, tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe I can use the word non-surrender. I could be totally wrong yeah. if I can say that. I don't mean to be so um, pushy if, if that's not rubbing you the right way. But a, it seems like from the first, when you and I talked, the first and second were very different. So what they were. What changed? What was your moment of like, ah, I can do this differently, or I should do this different, or I want to do this differently? Well, I got some very clear information from my body early on in the the second pre- um, pregnancy or the I you know, the 
the pregnancy was my second child. Yes. yes. Um, in the intervening years, my movement practice changed significantly. Um, I had the opportunity, I just was more fully in my body and fully in the, the practice of self-trust. Uh, and even, you know, it's so it, which isn't to say that I abandoned alignment completely, but it was just, I was more skillful and practiced at really feeling what was actually happening in my body rather than commanding my body to do certain things. And so with that pregnancy, um, I continued to practice, uh, but it was not, I I really like listened to my body and was like, Oh, Oh, this is what feels good. Oh, that feels incorrect. I'm not doing that. And, and the bigger thing I think that had happened, um, was I started to realize that all of the texts, like the Ayurveda texts that say, you know, that, you know, that really encourage, um, a cocooning and a, a softening and a protecting of the, the expectant mother. I, I felt the truth of that and not as a, this sort of paternalistic, you know, you're this delicate flower who can't do anything, but more like, oh no, you're now the container for this fair, like this is a very precious process and we don't want anything to interfere with all of the deep you know, invisible work that's happening. And I remember particularly, uh, I was reading like a, a home improvement blog. Like I was, you know, doing something around my house and it, it was something that had nothing to do with birth, except that the woman who wrote that blog had recently had a very traumatic scenario happen in her own, like, you know, the baby was fine, but like some scary things happened. And the minute my eyes touched like the opening heading, I felt a full, my whole body was like, no, this is not for you. Turn it off. And, um, something else very similar happened where my mother-in-law, uh, is a nurse practitioner and works, uh, her specialty is is with uh, people who have diabetes, and she was starting to tell me something scary that had happened in her practice. And I, I mean, it was like I didn't even have a choice. My body was like, "Oh no, this is not for you." And like that sort of wisdom, the first time around, I would not have listened to my body. I would have been, I would have just said like, Oh, this is good. You need to be real. You need to like be able to hand handle everything. Um, but the second time around I was like, Oh no, I'm getting major information that this is not a story that is correct for me to hear at this moment. And, um, I'm totally going to, misquote this, but what I remember from some of the Ayurvedic texts is that, 
um, a pregnant woman should only hear the sounds of silver and gold. That's how I remember it. And that is sort of like how from then on, I took that really to heart. And I was like, no, only silver and gold, only sunshine and rainbows. And, and that's not, I'm not like, that's not to say that, uh, um, you know, I was like deluding myself, but being very clear that I have control over this container. Well, you're not traumatizing yourself. You felt that the information was not going to support you and traumatize you. You were choosing not to let that into your space. What would you say to the student, if you could recognize some of the qualities you carried in your first pregnancy, so you're teaching, and this kind of leads us into the whole yoga community. If you saw that student in that energy, would you or how would you approach that student to invite them into their practice in a different way? And maybe maybe you'd say like, you know, it's not my body, it's not my place, but so let me just ask how, how you would deal with that. It's interesting because I've thought about this and I've thought about whether I could even have heard or received information. Like, I don't know what I could have received the first time around. I don't, maybe people were telling me that. Maybe other people were saying things to me like, you know, it's okay to soften. Not only is it okay, it's like totally necessary to soften. Um, on, it's funny because I feel like, um, ah, there seems to be There, there are so many, like, not necessarily myths, but there are so much misinformation or, um, uh, maybe it's just miss, it's not misinformation, it's missing information mm. about, you know, the reality and, and the magic and the, the wonder of, like, the capacity of a pregnant body to begin in one place to expand and to release and then to, you know, like the moon wane again, that, um, it's, it's almost like what's necessary is rather than encouraging other people to do things a certain way to everyone just being more honest about their own experience. Um, the other side of that coin, I'm not sure if this was your experience too, but I have always felt when I'm visibly pregnant or when someone knows that I'm pregnant, that all of a sudden that, translates as an invitation to like tell you everything oh that God. they think yes. about 
the pregnant body and birth and babies and yeah. whatever. I think that's a common, yeah. I wrote a blog about that. I think I called it like, is pregnancy a public domain? Because people would just literally stop me. Actually, I remember I was standing on 72nd Street right outside my apartment and a man slowed his car down, rolled his window down and yelled out his window. It looks like you swallowed a basketball. And I'm like, oh, you needed to slow your vehicle down and yell to a pre- And I was, I mean, granted, I was very far along. I was like days from being pre- like giving birth, but yeah. it just is like one other, what other time in one's life would you comment on someone's body or tell them what they should or shouldn't do? Yeah. It, it's a very, it's a challenge. Let's, let's shift that into the community aspect. Cause I'd yes. love to hear in your community, and I'm sure it's a wide variety between um, practitioners and yoga teachers, what are you seeing as a trend when someone's pregnant? Hmm. Are they shifting their practice? Are they not? Or do you think it's more individual? Like for you, for example, it sounds like, and I, I'm going to put myself right in your category. I, my mm-hmm. first pregnancy, while I modified my yoga practice for whatever reason, and it's funny you said, you don't know if you heard it. Cause I talked to my co-teacher trainer and I'm like, why didn't anyone tell me I shouldn't do this? She's like, did they tell you? Did you not hear them? I'm like, <laughs> truth, truth there. You speak the truth. You know, yeah. I was still cycling like a crazy mm-hmm. person. I was still doing weightless. Lifting. I modified my yoga practice, but mm-hmm. you know, I kind of kept it going. Like, I literally, call myself the crazy person. Mm-hmm. And then for my second, because my first was such a challenge, I was like, we are doing things completely differently. And it invented yeah. second births are quicker. So, if you're from your observation in that world, what are you noticing with? I guess I'm really interested in kind of the teachers because I see some yoga teachers doing very interesting, making very interesting choices while pregnant. I think it really depends. Um, I know that's not a very satisfying answer. That's okay. But um, uh, I I still see some who are very, um, and it's not that, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking like while you were talking about cycling, I just had this memory of I went to the gym, 24 hour fitness on my due date with my daughter. I was lifting on my due date and, and that felt, I mean, it, it felt fine. And, and, you know, um, and with my son, I didn't, but I, I did stay, I had a movement practice and walked right up until he was born. And I feel like what I'm seeing is sort of almost mirrors, almost exactly our conversation here where there seems to be, you know, a track of teachers and maybe it's first pregnancies that I'm seeing where it's like lots of vigorous, practice, um, a, a certain commitment to natural, um, pregnancy and birth and parenting that feels almost 
like external, like a, like sort of like, okay, it, it, it's very related to control, I think. And, it, you know, I'm speaking from my own experience being in that space. And then on the other hand, uh, particularly with people who have <clears throat> had at least some experience with Ayurveda or some, um, uh, introduction to, traditional Chinese medicine, it seems like there is, there's, there's a, there's a growing community of practitioners who are, you know, honoring birth processes in that way. And, and, and postpartum, thank goodness. Yeah, I see that too. I see it slowly in certain pockets, but as you're also talking, I was thinking, and you were talking about the external. Do you feel that those in the yoga community feel there's an expectation that your birth will unfold this way? You have to go unmedicated. It's kind of like people assume because I'm a yoga teacher that I'm a vegetarian. Granted, yes. I don't eat parts. Like I, I stopped. I came home at 14. I announced I wasn't going to eat meat. I don't know why. I was part of this. You know, it was the late 80s, early 90s. And I'm like, I'm not going to eat me. And I was like, fine. We didn't supplement it. I just went on that high horse. And, and I slowly yeah. brought some things back, but I didn't bring everything back. But people assume that because I'm a yoga teacher, I have that lifestyle. And mm. some of it's correct and some of it's not. Do you think that yoga teachers in the community, we put certain expectations on ourselves to have a certain lifestyle, a certain pregnancy, a certain birth, a certain postpartum that yeah. might be detrimental, but like there might not be then space for somebody to say, Hey, I might be a yoga teacher, but I'm all down with pain medication. I see no problem with that because yes. it's individual, but you think we're mm -hmm. putting it on ourselves as yoga teachers? I, I think that that certainly is is accurate for myself with my first, especially, and, and, you know, it's funny thinking back because that was even prior to social media, you know, so it wasn't even like, Oh, I need to make sure I'm doing this so I can post a picture of me drinking my green juice or what, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but I certainly felt like I put pressure on myself in that way with my, with my first mm -hmm. in, in between, I think that, you know, there is, at least I have had so much more access to information and, and support around postpartum and, um, that it feels like there's been a sea change. Uh, and again, it's hard to know whether that's just because of my own practice progressing, or if it's because, you know, it was my second baby and I just knew, you know, what I really needed to prepare for. Um, especially, I, I think, you know, thinking to the community aspect of things or relating it back to the community aspect, one of my biggest educations was in post birth with my, and, and the biggest difference I think for me has been in was post birth where, you know, I put all of my preparation eggs, so to speak in the birth basket, 
with my daughter and and I had did I had done nothing to plan for po- my postpartum. I mean, I I plan I encapsulated my placenta, so I had thought at least about that. That was like really hot back then. I guess that was like the thing that people were doing. And even at that time, my my home birth midwife asked me at six weeks, oh, are you running yet? Are you back to your workout yet? And there was all of this um, pressure internally and externally to like get back to where I had been. Mm-hmm. And my experience, and I feel like if I, you know, this is, I feel like this is really important to say is that, you know, especially with respect to the weight, because a lot of people, you know, even when we're aware and we're in our bodies and we care about our felt experience, there can be this, there is this pressure to return to the pre-baby weight. And I found no one had ever told me that all I had heard about breastfeeding was, oh, that's you breastfeed and then you easily lose weight. Well, I did not, I did not lose my baby weight until I stopped breastfeeding until, you know, I weaned my daughter at 17 months. And, um, which like now I'm like, oh, of course I didn't lose the weight. You need that weight to produce, like it's necessary. And like, this is part of it. Like this is part of the waxing and the waning. And, um, second time around, I did more to prepare for, for postpartum. I, I, I did a lot of different things to prepare for the birth. I had a doula, um, which, I can't recommend highly enough. And I, she's amazing. And, and then also I put together all of this nutrition and emotional support, like specifically to help with the emotional aspect of giving birth. And also I had a little, um, injure a birth, a, a post birth injury with my son where I got a blood clot in my leg which that's serious. I know it was, it was totally fine. It, but and it was the thing that I was not planning. I mean, like <laughs> I had no idea that was going to happen. Um, and that forced me in a sense to rest. And I feel like the, the key to me in the second birth recovering was really giving every part of myself the opportunity to rest. And, you know, I mean, I was walking around the house and around my, my yard, but I really stayed close to home for the first month. Um, and I feel like that is much more prevalent now, uh, now that books like the fourth trimester Mm -hmm. and the, the first 40 days, uh, have been written in. There are these communities devoted to postpartum. I feel like because of that, um, there, at least what I am seeing, um, and granted, you know, I mean, like it could be echo chamber type of a situation, but like I see people who are 
really honoring the process so much more and that that's being supported. I totally, I totally agree with you. So when you're work, when you're teaching and you have either a pregnant or postpartum student come into class from your experience as a yoga teacher, and then from your experience as someone who's birthed twice, do you, how do you help them modify and figure out their practice? It really depends. Um, if it is a student I ha- who's been with me for, you know, who I know at least a little bit, um, and I know where they've been, I know kind of what their baseline is, that is very helpful in a general setting. I always encourage people to spend as much time in resting poses as they want to. And even if that doesn't land, I, that's, you know, I guess this is more of an answer to your previous question, but really like when, when pregnant people and when new parents come in, I'm like, you know, it's actually totally fine if you just want to lay on your mat or if you want to post up in a supported bound angle, this whole, like you have my full permission Um, so I, so those, it, 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 I always encourage rest. I will suggest modification throughout class. I will say, you know, if you're expecting, try this. Um, if that doesn't, and and people usually, I, I have a pretty, um, casual conversation community oriented class to begin with. So I'm constantly telling people like, whether they're pregnant or not, if something's not working, let me know. And we can make anything work for you. The pose exists for us. I love that because that's what I think. That's one of my favorite things about a yoga class is community. It is huge at PYC community because if somebody sees, maybe they're not even pregnant yet, but they just see you working with the pregnant student in that manner and, and really offering them the space to give themselves permission to not work so hard, then that pregnant student or that person that soon might be pregnant or just had a baby, then they feel like, okay, I can show up here and there's not this pressure expectation. It feeds as, as teachers, what we bring in really, whether we realize or not, it feeds that community's um, kind of mindset and trust. You know, Mm -hmm. they see you working with someone else and they see how much, trust there is between you and that other student, they trust that they can go to you with the same thing. So then that other person that may get pregnant will show up and feel taken care of. So I like Mm -hmm. that you're creating that space for people to explore what's best for them instead of feel like, Oh, if I show up, I'm going to have to do this because she's going to insist I do this. And that's not really what we want in our practice. Absolutely. Oh, I, I want, I wish I can come out and take your class. <laughs> I'm going to shift to a few more questions about motherhood. And I ask these a lot when I do these more informal kind of conversations. Cause I think, you know, there's kind of, um, a shared experience of motherhood, but then there's also the uniqueness. So mm. what's one of your favorite things you've discovered about yourself during motherhood or that you found that you just love about motherhood? Um, this is so funny. <laughs> the other day, um, 
I had this moment where I was like, wow, my kids and I are so silly together when it's just us. And, um, I, I mean, it's just like this level of silliness that is so delightful. And, um, you know, my husband and I are a little silly together, but I feel like kids let you go to that next level. Mm-hmm. Yes. So silliness and singing. Oh yeah. We're a singing family. We oh, sing so yes. much. <laughs> yeah. I love that about other people too. Yeah. Singing. So let me ask the flip side of this. What's been your least favorite thing that you've discovered during motherhood? Um, I am more sensitive to noise than I thought I was. <laughs> and, um, I mean, to the point where I'm like, wow, can we just turn down the volume on everything? Is that possible? But then I don't, you know, then it brings up something in me where I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be the person who's constantly telling everyone to be quiet. Sometimes you need that. I mean, I find I my husband oh. goes to the the sound. That's his real big thing. Sound like it's like you all is neat. And I've actually seen him put earplugs in and that's his way of tolerating it. I'm, I'm about touch. Like I love cuddling and touching, but after some point, like I was laying on the bed with my son, we were reading last night and I know he was trying to snuggle, but his legs had kind of into mine and I just didn't want to be touched anymore. Yes. Like, you know, like that over touch, you're like, give me my space. <laughs> All right, we're yeah. gonna. I know we're just airing all our dirty laundry out there. All right, we're gonna take a super quick break, and when we come back. I'm gonna ask you since you've been through this for a while, one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents. We'll be right back. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP SmartSide today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Okay, we are back. So, Kelly, you've been a parent for a while. What is one tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new or expectant parents? Well, I, since for me, the, you know, the, the, the practice itself and having a practice has been very anchoring Um, the tip that I would recommend is to create a mini practice for yourself, which at whatever stage you're in, whether you're expecting now or you're a new parent. Um, and, and it can be like, like just the tiniest ritual around like making your coffee, my making my, my morning coffee ritual is one of my favorite ways to like, just really be present and to 
make something that's already going to happen just a little more special. So, you know, it could be, so let's, I'm just going to go with the coffee example where, you know, as you're, you're, you're doing the thing, like looking forward to it, you know, anticipating the making of the coffee, taking your time as you grind your beans and like smelling it, looking at it, looking at the way that you put it together I do a little pour over. So I, you know, I'm putting my, 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 um, ground beans into my little funnel and then taking the time just to do that and then fully enjoying the thing. And you can do that with, with literally anything. It can be when you're removing your makeup or putting on your, you're washing your face at night, like just making whatever it is you're doing, like a little practice. Um, I like that. I like that a mm. lot because it's easy just to rush through through everything. And some things, yeah, we'll probably rush through, but other things, you know, like being present. I like that. That's why I love yeah. these podcasts. And I, I used to love um, attending births. You're mm. present. You're real. And that's why I also talk about my yoga practice and when I teach those are really moments of being, you're forced to be present. All the external stimuli is taken out, but then taking that and making it even more minute. I like that. I'm going to enjoy mm. my, my tea later and I'm going to very much savor that moment. Mm. Where can people find your work? I'm over at sunroseyoga.com. I will make sure we link to that. I want to thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed speaking with you. It was a joy to be on your podcast. Thank you. And it was really fun to dig into talking about yoga and the birth and the yoga community and birthing and hearing about your special experiences. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Enjoy. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.